What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. I have Katie Ivy with me today here. She is the RVP of sales at Demandbase, a account-based marketing solution. And what we're going to dive into today is account-based selling, which she has a lot to say on us. I'm really excited to hear uh, something near and dear to my heart. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we got some... uh, some amazing people covering all different topics. So really excited to get the account-based selling component that we're talking about today. So account-based selling, what does that mean in 2020 and beyond? And how, how, are, how are people to look at this in your opinion? Yeah, good place to start. First thing I would lead with is, I mean, ABM is such a buzzword and it's been a buzzword for a few years. ABM just means account-based marketing for anyone that's been living in the stone age. But we tend to have this concept where we overcomplicate and try to, you know, build a lot of hype around this new term, you know, as if things are changing anew. Really, at the end of the day, account-based marketing, account-based selling, it's all about just figuring out which companies should we be selling to, which companies are most likely to renew, spend more money with us, and then focusing all of our sales and marketing efforts around those companies specifically. So today, when we dig in and talk a lot about account-based selling, that's really the as simple as it gets. That's the lens that I'm looking through. It's all about for sellers, sales leaders, figuring out which account should we be spending our time, money, all of our effort and focus around, and then leaning into those hardcore. Okay. That's, and I'm taking notes here, just so you know. So I'm not, uh, I love that because then I'll, we'll circle back with we'll different topics. So, so Katie, what would you say, like, in terms of this, I mean, because this is a broad topic, right? Because there's a lot of different nuances to this, especially when you're talking in the enterprise space. So what's your, your philosophy with this when trying to take down a really large enterprise account from a net new perspective? And like, how do you approach it psychologically, but then also strategically when you look at things? Sure. So as you move up market into the larger and larger enterprise, to me, it becomes more and more important that we're incredibly personalized, incredibly strategic, and everything that we're doing is built around this framework of how do I personalize and sell to this account specifically? Because if you're trying to sell to Adobe and Google, they may have some things in common, but understanding the nuances of how those businesses work, how they make money, how they're structured, who, what execs do what, what the focus is, the different lines of business. There's so many layers that are incredibly intricate and important. Um, and I would argue that that's important even as you move down market into the mid market and smaller side of the house, but understanding the nuances. I mean, the biggest mistake that I'm sure you've seen this, I see sellers and sales leaders make it all the time is we make selling all about us and it's about our product and what we do and what we're so good at. At the end of the day, the only reason anyone buys from them is because, buys from us is because it's about them and their business and their pain points and challenges and opportunities. So when I think about account-based selling uh, in the enterprise specifically, it, it literally doesn't matter if we're talking about one account or a list of 250 accounts. Um, the strategy and structure is always going to be the same in terms of what really matters and what great account-based selling is going to look like. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you hit out a lot of a lot of gold there. So when you're looking at when, when you approach it, do you take a top-down approach in terms of the ownership group to the, or say vertical to ownership group? 
to sea level or how do you kind of approach that? I mean, I have some feelings on it with the way that I've kind of looked at things, but I'd love to hear, you know, what you've done and, and how you kind of approach it, like more, I guess, on a, on a step-by-step basis, right? Like I look yeah. at this first, then this, then this, you know, like how would you approach that? Sure. Well, I think there's a couple of layers that are important. And when you think about like how, and I know a lot of our audience today is going to be enterprise sellers or sales leaders, but really when we think account-based selling and account-based marketing, it's an entire company focus typically. So even when we think about aligning our strategies from a very top of the funnel, how are we going and building the right type of brand awareness for these specific set of companies that we want to sell into? And so that typically starts uh, maybe even before an account shows up on our radar as a salesperson or a sales leader, but there's things that the company is certainly doing and helping with in the background that I think are going to influence exactly to the point of your question. Okay, now how do we go about building pipeline and then transitioning into how do we close and maximize that pipeline? And I honestly don't think, I think there's a lot of nuance depending on the type of product that you're selling, the vertical that you're selling into, even the specific section of that team, you know, who's your product built for. So I don't think that there's a one size fits all answer in terms of what's the right way to go about one of these, you know, whale accounts, if you will, or one of these really large strategic enterprises, it's all going to depend on who's your ultimate buyer, you know, what aspect of the bottom line or the business are you impacting, and then creating a plan that is strategic based on those specific outcomes that you're able to drive. Okay. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. Yeah, the customization is so critical. So, like, I I love what you said about the marketing piece, like, you got to start with the marketing, the branding. And that's kind of like the overall wrapper, the maybe air support, would you say? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, and then on the ground side, when we're talking, you know, whether you're leading a team, let's say you're leading a team, let's give it a, a specific example. Let's say, um, what would you say is a great vertical for you to, to, to walk through? That you're uh, we, we sell into uh, B2B tech and software really heavily. Okay. So let's use that as an example. So B2B tech's the vertical. Let's say they're publicly traded. And I'm just giving you a scenario here. And, you know, you have your solution. You already have the marketing component covered because this is more for sales leaders, obviously, like we're talking before or sales executives. So in terms of approaching that, like, how would you from uh, take care of that or look at that from a, a tech perspective, a tech vertical perspective? So let me just make sure I'm understanding your question correctly. I'm a sales leader and I'm overseeing a team of reps and territories, but through that very strategic lens of account-based selling and then how do we go in and break these accounts down? Is that the you said it more succinctly and better than I did. So uh, great job. <laughs> well, I was, I was afraid I was misunderstanding. So I wanted to make sure I was at least attempting yeah. to it the way that you were looking for. Um, it, I mean, it all starts at least for us and within our business around really understanding the core of our ICP. So our ideal customer profile. And really when we think account-based anything, it's all about understanding not just who are the accounts that are most likely to convert or most likely to buy from us, uh, but also the accounts that are most likely to spend the most with us and then renew with us, you know, time and time again uh, and be the healthiest, happiest, long-term customer. So if I'm looking at the software vertical to your example specifically, I may have five or six reps that are reporting into me they all have a very specific subset of accounts within that vertical. Um, We've done a lot of exercises at the the exact level in terms of identifying 
what that ICP looks like. We've been around long enough to have some healthy, really successful big name customers. So we model a lot of how we go to market around those customers specifically. Where are they seeing the most value? What areas are we able to really impact the bottom line? Where are we solving for challenges and creating opportunity? Um, and then it's all about building strategic account plans. You can call it whatever you want, but then literally dissecting those companies through that same lens. Okay, we know the name I threw around earlier. We know Adobe does XYZ, sees these types of results, these types of values. Now, seller one, two, three, four, the companies that are in your territory or in your patch that we've identified as strategic that have something in common with this specific brand, how do we break it down and create a really strategic plan of attack based on those same types of KPIs, metrics, area of focus, even to your earlier question, do you start top down, vertical, kind of where do you where do you start? Mm -hmm. I think it's all about understanding, okay, within that super happy ideal customer that we're referencing, what does that team look like? Who's our champion? Who are our stakeholders? Who absolutely loves us and would lay down in traffic, you know, talking about our software? And then how can we model plans for other companies that are similar to that? I, I love the term lay down in traffic. I mean, that's not the only thing I got of that, but I love that term. I've never heard that before. It might be a stretch for a software vendor, but it all depends on the level of partnership and how much buy-in you've got, I think. <laughs> and does your strategic account plans, when you kind of look at it with your team, do you approach it from the lens of not just vertically, but horizontally as well? And then in addition, do you wrap like the relationship component? I know you're talking about laying down in traffic. Um, with that kind of by person or, or how do you approach yeah. that? I mean, relationships are so incredibly important in sales. I think we all know that and have known that. I think if there's one thing 2020 has exposed is that relationships are more important than ever and finding creative ways to build strategic relationships virtually um, has been the learning curve, I think, for so, so many of us. Um, so yes, absolutely, the relational and human level is really important. Um, I will give one caveat because we're talking a ton about enterprise, really large brands. So the team that I run is a mid-market team. So we sell up to a billion dollar companies. So a subset slightly smaller than some of the companies that you and I have been talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll say the go-to-market or how we look at that strategic account plan, the account-based selling is identical. So it's it's literally everything that you just described. Um, it's just packaged up into a slightly larger list and probably a little bit less nuance when we break the company down. Um, but even to your question around, you know, are we looking at verticals or how are we breaking apart that team? Um, for our product, there's typically stakeholders. Uh, most of them are marketing and sales leaders, but there are typically four or five very distinct personas. For us, it's things like, uh, digital marketing, demand gen, um, it's marketing operations, it's sales operations, and then it's the sales leadership side of the house. So there's all of those components that usually roll up into a CMO or a CRO. So when we think about account planning, those are kind of the different pillars that we're looking through uh, and figuring out not just what does our product do that's going to move the needle, but to your, your other point, who are the human beings and the individuals and how do we need to build those bridges and connections there as well? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a great breakdown of it, Katie. So what would you say is the biggest, well, actually, no, let me take a step back before I go to that, because there's, there's something that you highlighted there that I hear a lot of people talking about as a challenge right now and how to build strategic relationships virtually. And so in your opinion, or an example, what has been one of the best, I guess, examples of execution that you've seen, whether it be with your team or even outside of your team? Uh, in terms of people doing that? 
It's been a big learning curve for me personally. I, I love being in an office and I typically manage teams in a primarily face-to-face -face environment. Um, and we do, we've always done a decent amount of our selling virtually. So having a video on during Zoom wasn't a new concept for my team, but doing it all the time and never having an opportunity to sit around that boardroom table or socialize over drinks or lunch, that has been a big shift for us. So figuring out how to move from the building relationships virtually and in person to exclusively virtual, um, gosh, it's, it's definitely been a challenge. It's been interesting watching my different folks on my team and, and leaders that work for me. I think it's more important than ever to understand personality types and how people are wired and how they naturally interact. I mean, even something as simple as understanding whether someone likes to make small talk and wants to talk about the kids and the weather or whether they are a talk fast, get to the point, let's talk about business. So many of those dynamics, and I've meant or dealt with this from a leadership perspective and really trying to learn that, okay, how do I build relationships virtually with my team on different levels? But when we think of the selling motion, it's just as important. And we often were able to pick a lot of that stuff up if we're in a room with someone. Like there's so many things that I think we have downplayed or maybe not understood how much we're able to just, great sellers know how to read a room the same way that great sales leaders, like we pick up on energy and emotions and we just are able to be very perceptive, most of us. And that's a lot harder to do over Zoom. Um, I think the one really interesting positive shift that we've seen is at least at the executive level, the VP and the C level of folks that we interact with and our customers, they've become much more human throughout the last six months. So they typically are turning videos on, we're getting access to kids and dogs and real life. And part of that's because we've gone through something obviously unprecedented that none of us have a playbook of what this thing looks like. Um, but I think being willing to really some, some of the successes that I've seen, at least within my team and some more strategic deals that we're working as we have become more and more vulnerable and really human, even with the, the highest level of execs that we're selling to, we seem to be seeing a lot of that reciprocated lots more texting relationships, lots more where it just feels like we're actually doing business with people we know and like versus this very buttoned up formal like sales motion. Um, and I think that's going to continue uh, if and when uh, long beyond when we're back in an office or back in a face-to-face -face selling environment. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's a great distinction. And I, I saw this and I noticed this like even just basically walking around like, it seems like people more now than before will say hi to strangers that they wouldn't yeah. like walking down the street or on a bike trail or whatever. It's just because they, they're craving that, that human interaction. Um, so yeah. what, what kind of personality type, uh, like there's so many different, I don't want to say systems, but solutions for that. What, what type, what type of um, solution do you gravitate towards or your team gravitates towards and kind of looking at that? So there's this amazing tech that I use called Crystal Nose. It's a LinkedIn plugin. Have you, you've probably used it. Yeah, um, yeah. So and it's there's a couple of different the kind of ways that it dissects personality types and the types of recommendations that it gives you. But it will literally look at your social graph and layer on people that you're selling to or people that report to you or that you work with um, and give you recommendations. That is what I've leaned on for some of the like the small talk example that I gave you, understanding that there's certain people I interact with that move very quickly, which in case you haven't noticed, I naturally talk very fast. I like to move really quick, do things really fast. Not everyone that works for me or that I interact is at that same pace or thinks like that. So, I mean, there's people on my team that I know 
we carve out a little bit longer on the front end of one-on-ones or meetings because they want to spend 10 minutes talking about what they did over the weekend or things that are going on with their family or some things that are outside of what our buttoned up agenda is. So I think that's become really important from a sales motion perspective as well. Even the really tactical things, how do I manage my time? If I've got a 90 minute meeting, how do I want to use that time? We've got to know who we're selling to. Uh, We also did some Myers-Briggs personality type testing at the beginning of COVID. Um, At a company level, we did some, but then an executive coach I work with, we brought her in to do some stuff with my team. That helps me. And it sounds really simple because we think we know whether someone is introverted or extroverted but it's not always quite as cut and dry as like the extroverts are outgoing and the introverts are a bit quieter. It's all about how we energize. And for extroverts like myself, I get energy from being around people. Mm -hmm. So especially the early stages of COVID when we were literally locked down, I had to sleep more. Like I literally have less energy that I bring to the table every day because of the environment that we're in. So understanding that at a team level, at a customer prospect level, I think is also really important. So that sounds basic. There's some other nuances as we went through the personality type testing that helped us kind of create a framework of how should we work together as a team during the season in this new kind of fully remote environment. Um, But I think it's super applicable from a a sales perspective as well. Well, I I mean, I think that's great uh, from a vision perspective that your your organization did that. I mean, it's it's really sharp that they stepped like stop right when this was happening like looked at okay communication is key we got to figure that out or just amp it up a couple levels i should say Uh, yeah i definitely um, i feel grateful to i definitely feel grateful to be in a company that took a step back and recognized some things and obviously there's some teams and tons of folks in your audience that this work remote thing is probably no big deal that's how they've functioned in their role for a long time but for teams that were primarily in office a hundred percent to go overnight into a very new work environment. I mean, I had folks in my team that are, most of them are in Manhattan. They have really small apartments. They didn't have great work from home setups. Like a lot of those tactical things that if we don't figure that out, in addition to the human elements, just a recipe for disaster. Oh yeah. I mean, I can totally relate. We, uh, we were big. So that crystal nose program, I started kind of messing around with it a little bit. And one of its go-tos is uh, the disc profile. Yeah. So we always used to leverage that. And I just because I love the simplicity of it. Like, basically, it's like identify introvert, extrovert, right? And then you can kind of cut it in half, right? Either you got the C or the S's, which are the introverts, or the D or the I's, which are extroverts. And then are they more direct or are they more friendly? You know, that, that'll tell you the difference between those two. And then are they more supportive or analytical? And, and so when I was working with my team, it was really impactful because, like, there, I, believe it or not, you think all salespeople will be on the outgoing side. There were some on, on the introverted side, like you're talking about. And this is the thing that was beautiful about it is like, like you're saying, I had a, I had a lead and work with them differently, but at the same time, their, their strengths were so much different than the extroverts. And there was stuff that they would do amazing at, but there was like things like closing that maybe people on the introverted side would struggle with or asking the hard questions at the end of the process. You know, so I thought, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it. And then taking it over to the customer side, leveraging a solution like that, I think is amazing as well, because it just gives you so much insight on whether you go into massive detail or you just hit the high level points. Yeah. Yeah. Even as simple as like how detail oriented should my follow-up emails be? Do they want lots of color and detail or does it need to be very short, very to the point? Like that stuff has always mattered. I, I, 
have argued that this season has forced us to all up level our game a bit. So like we've got to be excellent at what we do and we have a great opportunity to be really excellent. So all of those little nuances we're talking about, I think are a huge part of that. Oh yeah. So let, let's go on to mistakes now. What would you say when you're talking about like strategic account planning, what are the biggest mistakes that, that folks are making today and, and the, the bigger deals that, that, and does that be your team? I'm just saying, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that you see on the strategic account planning that, that people are making right now? Yeah, probably two things that come to mind. One, if we just think holistically about account-based selling or account-based marketing, the biggest mistake that I see and talk about in the market all the time is that we overcomplicate it. Um, and that typically starts at the marketing level, but also at the sales leadership level, we think that we have to have all of our data in order, just all of these different points and figure out how we're going to report and on, you know, every aspect of revenue attribution and all these different layers, which in reality is not realistic. Uh, and it's going to take some pieces to be able to get that stuff in place. Um, and great sellers, great sales leaders, great marketing leaders typically are the ones that are able to see, hey, there are, there's some low hanging fruit here. Even if we've had a very not account centric go to market, there's some simple things that we can do around just identifying the right list of accounts uh, and building some very simple framework around what that should look like. Um, so overcomplicating it's probably the first uh, mistake that I would highlight. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is just that the overarching lack of personalization. Um, I think we sometimes jump to the conclusion and it doesn't matter whether we're talking the biggest companies in the world or super scrappy mid-market businesses that companies are relatively the same and that people within them and those stakeholders are relatively the same. Um, so, I mean, I've seen so many reps and SDRs that just fail to, fail to do the level of research that's required. You know, they're not doing not just basic personalization, but really understanding what does this person care about? What's happening in the news with this company? Uh, not just how are they making money and what's the simple stuff, but literally like, what can we figure out about their trajectory and their go-to-market that's going to give me the opportunity to become a trusted advisor or, you know, as we're building a relationship. Yeah, I've seen that as well. Is there a specific software that you use for that, that research that you've seen work well? I mean, we use a whole host of software uh, when we think of our holistic tech stack. So not, I mean, honestly, LinkedIn, I think is probably the most powerful if we're going to start anywhere. Just make sure you've got a sales nav license so you can look up tons of profiles, um, you know, and learn what you can. I think it's actually really helpful that, and it's different depending on the industry that you sell into. Because I, my team sells into sales and marketing leaders, so many of them have been very focused on building a brand, they produce content, they're on events just like this, you know, they're in po on podcasts. So if you really want to get in front of someone, chances are that a quick Google search and a little bit of LinkedIn, time on LinkedIn, you're going to find some really relevant nuggets in terms of what they want to talk about, things that they're really jazzed by, and how to structure not just that, you know, initial reach out or email, but how you're building relationships over time. Yeah. And the thing is, you'll see that a lot of the, well, not so much on the sales side, but other professions truly treat it like a resume, their LinkedIn yeah. profile. So like they have everything on there, but one of the other speakers name is Justin Michael, and he refers to sales nav as, or LinkedIn is like a self-healing CRM. Because <laughs> which I'm like, that's pretty creative. I like that. He's throwing all sorts of creative nuggets, but He's like, it's a self-healing CRM because basically, like, in your CRM, the customer you're selling to never corrects if they make changes or they don't change their profile or they don't constantly update it. I'm like, oh, that's a really unique perspective on it. I love it, you know? 
Yeah, no, that's I've never. I'm a fan of Justin, but I've never heard that exact uh, description. I like it. I'm learning all sorts of weird terms and uh, sayings and stuff like that. So I'm gonna have a lot in my bag after this one. So. So what would you say, Katie, is like, so looking forward, you said, like, I love what you've done and how you've adapted and how your organization's evolved for this point. So moving forward, looking out, what do people need to keep doing in the sales executive or sales leadership space right now to keep, to keep amping up their level of, you know, account-based selling? Like, what do they need to do in your opinion? I honestly don't think that it's anything that's like revolutionary or new, even because of the environment that we're working in now. I think that B2B selling in general has gone through a massive transformation over the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, I was selling back in the day when marketing automation was brand new, you know, selling old school Pardot or selling Marketo. And 10 years ago, a lot of what we could do from a tech perspective it felt very fresh and very interesting. So of course we did a lot more of it and things quickly went from personalized one-off to very automated and lots and lots of volume. And I think now what we've been seeing, and this was certainly happening pre-COVID, but we were seeing that pendulum swing back uh, away from this volume velocity game into a much more of a strategic, okay, how do we really identify not only the right companies, but how do we sell at a personal level um, that feels less automated, less noisy. I'm sure you're just like myself. I get so many automated emails, LinkedIn messages, and text messages, like the list is long. So for someone to actually be able to sell to me, they're going to have to build a relationship a little bit differently. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love technology. I sell technology. And I think there's certainly things that we can leverage that will help make us better at what we do. Um, but I don't think that that can ever be a substitute. We can't automate our way into pipeline and close deals. Um, so I think that's the overarching shift that has been happening. And I think that COVID has accelerated that a bit in making it very clear that if we're going to win in this very different world and environment that we're in, um, we're going to have to take the time to be really good at what we do. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great distinction. Because people are getting pounded right now. <laughs> like it, it's just, just so much volume of messages and crap. Like, I mean, even just like simple things on like your LinkedIn profile, like it started to get so bad that like I had to change my profile to have connect me with the default button to follow be the default button because I was getting so many sales pitches from yeah. people, you know, whether it be crypto or, or financial advisors or, um, or outsourced IT, like all sorts of just getting hammered on the invite, um, you know, details and stuff like that. Yeah. So. I was chatting with a VP of sales friend of mine last night about the same concept and it's been just fascinating to watch within our space because, and no surprise, March, April, really, really scary times, pipelines drying up, customers are canceling, like there's real stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so at the sales and marketing leadership level, the knee jerk reaction is, well, let's just do more. We're just going to do more and more and more and hope that that gets us a different result. Whereas time has passed. And I think some of us are getting a little bit smarter, but it's, it's not just about ramping up volume and assuming that other things will follow. Like we have to actually be smarter and more strategic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So Jake Dunlap had a post on it. He's, he's on the summit as well. Yeah. He's like, he's like sales leaders. We can't just keep smashing the more button. He's like, that's not going to do it. You got to look at things differently. So I loved it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so Katie, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Um, where can they hear more about what you're doing? 
Yeah, so LinkedIn has been a big focus of mine, um, even more so since COVID. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm Katie Ivy, but Katie with a C. Um, so if you type in literally Katie with a C, I'm, I'm pretty much the first one that pops up. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, you did an amazing job walking through everything. It was great to hear your perspective. And I think, you know, you're, you're definitely onto something. The pendulum is swinging back when people are just getting hammered to getting that personal touch back and some great examples and stories. Thank you for joining us right now and we'll see you soon. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.